So, what do you think whiteness is? Whiteness is... I mean, it's a construct. It's not a real thing. Um, I think it's an arbitrary category that was created by a ruling class of people to subjugate other people. And it's like, you look around you and you're like, hmm, I need a whole bunch of people to enslave in order to make, you know, to get to my ends. What can I do to justify that? And when people are different colors, that makes it real easy. <laughs> like, you know, Dr. Seuss knew enough about that and, and had all kinds of, like, anti-racist content about, you know, don't treat people differently just because they have different different, you know, stars on their bellies or whatever. So, so it's meaningless. Like, being white is meaningless. It always was. It just means it's just a way of differentiating yourself from some kind of other that deserves to be exploited. So, like, uh, but, so was it, like, poor whites... Like, bougie whites. What was what? Poor whites or bougie whites? People who decided what whiteness was. You say it was to define themselves from a separate class. So. Oh, it would be like colonizers and the, uh, and like rich people, nobles and stuff. So were the bourgeois of England during the era of discovery, mm -hmm. um, were more white than... Non-whites, then the non-whites, then uh, had more whiteness than poor whites. Right. So. And at that point, I don't, I don't know that they were called specific, uh, specifically thinking of it as whites. But it's like you think about the Irish, and everybody loves to talk about the Irish when they talk about race. But, but they actually were a different race, if for to England. And that's why Ireland still suffers and has suffered so long is because the English used Irishness as uh, a distinctive way to to uh, alienate people, you know? And so it helped them a lot to, you know, take over the entire country, basically, all of Ireland, which is not... A lot of land, you know, but uh, they still managed to do it, and that's kind of the whole thing about the, def the changing definitions of whiteness uh, and who that includes. So Irish people were not included in English whiteness for a long time. And then uh, going back even, because like I wouldn't even say racism started in England, like because colorism has always been a thing where. Um, essentially in the feudal era and before, um, if you were a peasant, you worked outside and you worked in fields and you were under the sun. Um, you were under the sun and your skin was rough, you know, and coarse. Um, so, uh, and you were like stronger looking, you know, you had more muscles, like an animal. And, uh people who were wealthy and affluent didn't have to do that. They, they had people who did that for them so they could stay inside and uh, eat, you know, and be fat. And so being fat was a prestigious thing for a period of time. Yeah. And uh, they were pale because they didn't have to be in the sun. And they were soft because they didn't have to do hard labor. So that was like... I think that was factor in white in how whiteness specifically became the the dominant feature you know what I'm saying so what is whiteness uh, I don't know I mean I can only think of whiteness as a contemporary 
invention. Like, um, it's because race as a scientific category doesn't exist. Um, and, you know, I really think that it was just kind of used as a defining, it was like, this is the immediate thing that we notice that makes us different from you, and we're going to use that to justify any kind of, you know, whatever we do to you, basically. And it, it didn't help either that for traveling uh, colonizers, a lot of the people who were various shades darker than them also spoke other languages, so it, you know, triggered this xenophobia thing as well. So... So, yeah. What's um, that, uh, that painting? That, like... God, what was it? Like, there's that painting of uh, a market? A trade, like a trades fair? Like, it's just trading, a real mm -hmm. famous, like, trading hub. Mm -hmm. And it has black nobles in it. Mm -hmm. You heard of that one? Mm -hmm. I gotta look it up. I'll show it to you. It's, it's, um... It shows, like, black nobles and, like, really fine linens riding horses and having white slaves and then, mm -hmm. like, white slaves and black slaves also working there in different garb. Um, Interesting. And then, like, it had white nobles. It just had, like, it was a market. Uh, it's a really famous, like, old, old, old-ass, like, Renaissance painting type mm -hmm. thing. And it's... There's an equal opportunity exploitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's, there's like white slaves, black slaves, brown slaves. There's white nobles, brown nobles, black nobles, and they're all just merchants there. There's white, mm -hmm. black, brown merchants, and they're all just in the same market, and they're yeah. all doing their thing. And there's well, and then like you yeah. think about places like India that they're not necessarily racially segregated, but they're on a caste system, which is like assigned to you from your birth. And you can't change it ever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no, like, oh, I made more money. I'm very successful. I'm no longer, you know, uh, an, uh, untouchable. Like, an untouchable or a, I forget what the, a Dalit. Um, what is it? Yeah. And, uh, what is it? Dalit. Dalit, which is the top or? No, the bottom. The bottom. Yeah. Is that untouchables? Yeah, I think so. But okay. there's, like, stages in between that, too. Yeah. So, so uh, you're just a, re a rich deli? Yeah, basically. <laughs> you're a class trader, kind of. Um, and, but I mean, that, but they make it exceedingly hard for that to happen, you know, because what kind of system would enable an untouchable? You know, that's a bad system, according to uh, caste, you know, ideology. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, there are huge amounts of people in caste systems across the world that are just screwed, you know? And it's not... Race may kind of come into it uh, a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised, like, super surprised if modern castes had more, like, white lineage at the top. Uh, well, I mean, the caste system is, isn't it part of their reincarnation ideology? Yes. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, it is like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's so. that it's that you, it's that not just you as a person are forever in this status, but your soul is this status. <laughs> like the essence of your being is garbage, and the essence of my being is royalty. So no matter how many times I live and die, I'm gonna be above you. So, you know, just kneel. That's garbage. That is garbage. It's a garbage way to think. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, so, well, so in, in, from what I understand of Zen Buddhism, first of all, uh, <laughs> Zen, uh, reincarnation is fun to think about. I, I recognize that there are some, mostly, you know, anecdotal, which is like purely anecdotal. Um, so there's anecdotal evidence of reincarnation. There is the, what is it, the Department of Reincarnation? The Research Department of Reincarnation at the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, interesting. Something like that. And that they've, like, narrowed down to where these stories come from in, like, a space of time. Like, between, like... Oh, like, where the, the majority of reincarnation, like, 
ideology came from? No, no, no. Or well, like, you got, first of all, where it comes from, like, the history of it, and yeah. then, but, like, children who experience, like, reincarnation events, yeah. or, like, they start to talk about, like, things or identify their murders or where the yeah, era yeah, they were yeah. from and stuff like that, or, like, they bring up past stories and whatever. And so, they're looking into things, like, is it, um, is it a gene thing? Is there a gene that's holding up this memory? It's passing memory along, like in the banana slug theory, where like the that banana slugs, when one banana slug is kept in a cage, and the other one is put through a maze and solves the maze. Once it solves the maze consecutively, they chop up the banana slug, uh, like puree it, and then feed it to the other banana slug. Oh! And then the other banana slug will solve the maze on the first Gains try. Gains its powers from its flesh. It does though. It wow. does. So it'll so it'll solve the maze the first try. What the hell? I mean, but banana slugs are. Quite different organisms. Right, right, us, right. So, well, that's so that's what raises the idea. It's like, what the fuck? Like, can we do these type of things? Like, you know, and so that's where the question is: is like those type of reincarnation memories, gene type things? Um, they even had that show for a while, which is you know, it's a show though. So, mm-hmm. um, but so like in Zen Buddhism, uh, you know, growing up Catholic, I have I believe in the God module. Uh, so I, I believe that my God module is on. And it's just on and it loves the idea of like a higher being, a religious feeling. And triggering that religious feeling feels good. So I, you know, I found Zen Buddhism because I already identified with almost everything I believed in. And the idea of reincarnation is very stimulating, exciting for my God module. Um, there is some evidence to reincarnation. I like that. It feels good. But, you know, I know I, I have the nihilistic approach that most likely we're just a product of chaos and in chaos there will be patterns nothing and, happens when you die right so you're born <laughs> you live you die the end like most likely the most likely scenario I accept without a doubt the most likely scenario is nothing happens it would be absurd for anything else to happen but at the same time there's so much chaos it's possible sure why not maybe reincarnation does happen maybe there is a heaven and a hell maybe there is whatever the fuck but maybe the most world is likely such absurd chaos that it only happens sometimes right there you go yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so, but most likely, nothing happens. In Zen Buddhism, in the ideas of reincarnation, um, it gets, you know, like every religion, it gets convoluted, and other ideas come in and go out, and schools of thought, and like, um, Vashrayana, I think, believes that, uh, Vashrayana, Vashrayana, whatever, believes that, uh, <laughs> but, well, I, I always forget the two. Vashrayana Buddhism believes that enlightenment comes from within, but Mahayana believes that enlightenment comes from uh, as a as a like, like product stuffing, yeah. of the people around us. Oh. Like we we achieve enlightenment through people, whereas the other one believes that we achieve enlightenment by ourselves. So like mm. like the the hermit versus the you know right. So like the monastery. Yeah, where like you you work with others or you go out and do in your community versus you isolate yourself for years. Substance Spuds. Sorry, that was just a little aside. <laughs> we were driving by a food place. <laughs> Shout out to Substance Spuds. A place, <laughs> a place Substance Spuds, you exist. We've never been. We just learned about it right now. Um, <laughs> so, we, uh, so, it teaches that there's like a, uh, not a caste system, but like a tier system for reincarnation. And that, like, in, like the realms, like the realms of reincarnation. Seven levels of hell. Kind of, like, something like that. And there is, like, it's, like, nine nine levels of reincarnation, and then each of those can divide into, like, nine sub-levels. So, like, there's, like, the animal, insect, like, there's the earthly, the earthly realms, the heaven realms, and, like, the hell realms. And the heaven realms and hell realms are even, are debated even amongst, in Buddhism, like, are they a thing? Like, you know, I, I told you about the hungry ghost. I love the hungry ghost. That's my favorite one. The realm of the hungry ghost, which is like, um, when you die, the the amount of suffering that you cause, if it's great, and this is the other thing, is like the schools of thought, is if the suffering you cause is greater than the things that you've, um, is greater than the pleasure you cause, and you suffer for the amount of pain you cause, not just your pain, not just the pain that you caused, but the pain of that pain. So, like, if you fucking ruin someone's day, you ruin their day, but now they might go and ruin someone else's day. And that karma is not just that one thing. It goes all the way down the whole chain. You suffer for as long as that pain existed, and then you come back. You have to go deeper. <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> so, 
Like the hungry ghost is the ghost who is infinitely hungry and all he can eat is fire. But the fire has no substance to it, so he just stays hungry forever. But you have to eat the fire because you're so hungry. And if you don't eat it, you just get hungry and hungry and hungry until you decide to eat it. But it has no substance and you just stay hungry and eat fire. So the disappointment is what what mulls you over for a while? Also, you're eating fire. <laughs> and you feel that fire. Oh, okay, so the pain. You're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. So the suffering but is But then you're yeah. too hungry and you're like, well, I guess it's fire again. Yeah, and so but it teaches that humans are a very, very, very rare thing to incarnate as at all. It's a tier. Sure. It's one tier amongst like 20 tiers. Like, what the fuck, you know? And then those tiers divide further, whatever. And so there's like the animal realm is equal to, above, or below us, as the human realm is equal to, above, or below that. And it's, you know, there's some schools say that animals are below us, some schools say they're above us because they're not, you know. Um, and then really comes back to animism and stuff like that. But uh, it's interesting to me that, you know, knowing all that and believing what I believe, you know, like I said, I do believe that. There's nothing, but it's fun to think about those things. Knowing that and uh, understanding those things, it's interesting to me that that delves as deep as in Hinduism, it divides even further. And that not only are you a human, but you're a cast of human as part of your mm -hmm. reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So it, to me, that feels like... It's like an extra set of dice. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. so like, it's not... It's not a 20-sided die, it's you roll a 20-sided die, and if you get nine, you have to roll another six-sided die, and yeah. that decides, like, you know, so like, like, realm nine is humans, mm -hmm. so once you've rolled nine, now you have to roll the six-sided die to decide what cast of realm nine you're in. Yeah. So, like, I don't think, I don't think that there's, well, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know if I, you know, it's fun to think about the realm shit, but it's most likely not true. Yeah, and I mean... If it were true, that's kind of again. It's legit. It's legitimizing the type of behavior that comes from that. That comes from hierarchies, essentially. You know, I'm. It's all. Every conversation is going to come down to this. I'm an anarchist. I'm against unjust hierarchies, and that's basically what all of our problems are. So just you're going to hear hierarchy. that. Yeah, you're going to hear that a lot. So yeah, um, <laughs> it's just a. A spiritual hierarchy that you know that that allows you to oppress people in the real world so it's like okay even if that's real it's garbage it was born into a better class than you I actually heard um, on the train <clears throat> to Santa Barbara um, there were these two Indian women and they were uh, they were like second generation I think they were born here but their parents were um, were not and you heard this on, in person? Yes, in person. Okay. Um, these these girls were uh, sitting behind me on the uh, train, and they were... One of them was pretty progressive, and the other one was kind of, like, complaining to her friend that, you know, it's so, it's so hard in America that anyone can be anything. They don't have the caste system. So it's like, who's poor and who's rich? Like, you can't tell because poor people might wear the type of clothes that rich people wear, or rich people might, you know, look like a poor person, and you can't tell, and they can change it, and they can move into a different, a different one, yeah. and it was like a big inconvenience for her, and then her friend was like, um, I don't know, I think that's kind of a good thing, <laughs> like, she was kind of like, awkward feeling about it, all that being rich is, is paying more for clothes that make you look poor. Like, you drop $200 on jeans that already have tears, or you can be a hard-working poor person with one pair of jeans that has tears. Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> yeah, or like, yeah. There's services for that, you know that? For carrying your jeans? Like, you send in a nice pair of jeans, and they fuck them up for oh you. Oh my god! For like $200 on top of the cost of your jeans, and they send them back to you fucked up. Oh my god. So shitty. Okay, Doc, tell me about your vision of Falxa. And for those who don't know, Falxa, or F-A-L-Q-S-A, <laughs> how do I spell this acronym? Is um, 
it's an acronym for this silly idea among leftists called fully automated luxury queer space anarchism and uh and it's basically an idea of a future utopia achieved through uh through various leftist you know uh egalitarian means so so doc what do you think about falsa I think it's immediately attainable. I think that... Immediately? Wow. Immediately. Immediately. That full automation is already attainable. Automation is only occurring through companies that are trying to eliminate their employees. If we... If we, if we were to have, like... Um, we could all live in, you know, the luxury aspect. The fully automated part would happen from the automation. The luxury part would happen from universal basic income based off the taxes created by taxing the companies um, per item. So what, what is it the... Um, as... So you're still uh, assuming a monetary society? Well, it would eventually come undone. Eventually, monetary society would come undone from the automation. Because... Companies will create automation to eliminate their employees. So eventually, you have like a you know a high, high, high unemployment rate. That automation will really only start to occur in larger companies and kind of trickle its way down. The larger companies will have the resources to research and hire for full automation as droids become more popular. Because Boston Dynamics just wants to fucking build droids. They just want to, just to prove they can do it. And as that progresses and that gets better, we'll just have droids fucking do everything. Whatever, fine. And then, as a human can create 200 of an item, a machine can create 1,000 of that item. So instead of charging the cut value of the item based on materials plus labor, we don't have to worry about that anymore because you're creating, you know, 100,000 bajillion times more of that item in the same amount of time. So, you know, if you're creating 200 an hour and a machine creates 1,000 an hour, you're creating five times more per hour. So you just tax per item, and now it's only worth the value of the item, of the materials to create the item, and then that tax. Because we can create so fucking many so fast, and you don't have to pay a machine. You pay to maintain it. And the prices of everything goes down anyway. To like zero. So it's only the cost of the materials and attaining those materials. There's no labor cost anymore. So you take the taxes, and you tax per item, which let's say that let's say that the cost of an item is ten dollars, and the material cost you know now we take a regular everyday thing that's ten dollars, and it costs you know minimum wage is ten dollars an hour. So if somebody's making a hundred, or let's say make it easier sixty per hour, so make one per minute. That means that the material cost plus the you know the ten dollar an hour, and they make exactly one per minute. So when you eliminate the worker and you've increased it from 60 per hour to 1,000 per hour, then the value of it goes below the material cost. Like, you order in bulk and, you know, it just plummets down to pennies all the way down as market... As pennies market, all the way down. It's just pennies all the way down. <laughs> and then what you do is you make the tax equivalent to keeping that item at $10 an hour. And you pay that out. And so when you have a thousand items being created at that tax level, you notice nothing. You pay the same amount. You pay what you've always paid, but now we have universal basic income across the board. So that tax, you know, and I guess the argument could be that, and what's the point of automation? Well, what, I mean, what isn't the point of automation? Right. I mean, that you know, a, it's awesome. But that's unrealistic, B. though, to have the tax be at um, to make it equivalent. Of course, the point is to get it down, but you know, so let's say it drops down to seven dollars or five dollars or whatever, whatever fucking system they work out. Maybe they increase their margins because they make so many now. Whatever it is, you know, all that extra money being made off of the item just gets distributed to the people and. If, mm -hmm. you know, one person can make 60 and now you're making a thousand, well, that means that machine covers, like, 20 jobs. Yeah, also you're not paying for anybody's health care or, or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um...
I just feel that on, automation is the way to go across the board. So yeah, full, fully automated equals luxury. Luxury equals a system where everyone can go to school, everyone get educated, everyone starts to feel more open and free about everything. Well, and everybody has all their basic needs covered. Right. Like, so first, first and foremost, everyone has a home, food, water, you know, medicine. <laughs> yeah, it's like they said with um, with uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's like they said with. Sorry, we're in the car driving, so we, we're kind of distracted. Um, so yeah, I said that everybody's basic needs are covered. Yeah, yeah, and so when you have, it's okay, it's like, thank you, you brought me back. It's like they said, with like, currently, like, something like compassion or like, being friendly, something is like, like, altruism in general is like 20% down or something like that. Like, we're just, we're just not as nice and not as friendly. And so, like, that's like, yeah, because we can't fucking eat, dude. Like, yeah. I don't really have, like, yes, a homeless person will share a pizza that they've been given, you know? You see all those fucking YouTube videos. But. I'm pretty bitchy when I'm hungry. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's, you know, we're stressed out constantly. Like, constantly, constantly. Our adrenal glands are going nonstop. Our cortisol levels are maxed the fuck out all the time. Anxiety is an all time high. And so, and depression and all that stuff. We, it's hard to be friendly when. You're worried about if you're gonna eat today. It's hard to be friendly and be outgoing and altruistic and giving when you have nothing to give and you're worried about getting. Because if you don't get, you might not be around anymore. You might die, you might get sick, you might not have a home. Yeah, like middle class folks have this, they have this like idea of poverty. So as we get more educated and we get more open and we have our needs met, we have this ability and room and understanding. It Okay, so <laughs> let me just start with, if you have a small amount of education, and there's some people that just don't, and some people just don't care, and some people don't look into it, but you'll, un you'll come to understand that the Dark Ages was a time of religious fundamentalism. That's why it's called the Dark Ages. Because if you started to do science, it was against the natural ways of things. Just let me just, no matter what you believe, let me just end the argument with this. Anything within this world is created by your believed creator. I don't believe in creator. But if you do, anything within this world is created by them. He wanted it created somehow for right. some reason. Or it's a byproduct of his creation that he could have controlled some in some way. Yeah, and being that omniscient and omnipotent. If this world is created, anything within it is created by that creator. Like, like you're you're not gonna create. That's why Darwin, like Darwin, was a religious man. Yeah. And so was Isaac Newton. And um, it, they they basically had that same mentality. They were like, you know, God created this beautiful, complex world. And I'm going to do everything I fucking can to understand it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they did science experiments and they they did adventuring and stuff like that. Um, and they were hugely influential on all of society from then on. Mm -hmm. And um, 
so it's not it's not even just be, that being religious hinders you from the quest for knowledge yeah like so like so science exists because God made creatures that created we don't believe in God we're atheists atheists nihilist I'm a Zen you know I like like I said I'm into Zen Buddhism because it satisfies my God module and it was already a lot of things I already believed and it's just a guide it's a guide on how to not be a piece of shit <laughs> literally it and there's no like mystery stories that you interpret your own way it's not dude so if you don't have this religious um, mindset of and not just religious but anti-intellectual mindset of like we don't need no teaching folks telling us what to think you know and if you teach people about sex, they're just gonna have more sex. It's all bullshit. So yeah, the what we have the most, the current generation is the most educated in regards to everything, and especially sex. And they're having the least amount of sex. And when they do, they're having the most amount of protection. So everything you believe, if you believe that teaching sex makes people have more sex is wrong because your belief is based in nothing but belief. The facts state otherwise. Yeah, so so with this um, so, educated viewpoint, the idea is that uh, since, you know, one of the basic, one of the more basic needs of society is to be educated mm-hmm. um, in full anarchist communism, well, they when, would... When you have this, when you have that education... When you have this, you know, you enter, you get a society that doesn't give a shit what gender you are, what, you know, what sexuality you are, gender becomes fluid, sexuality becomes fluid, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. A lot of the terms that we use now are uh, obsolete, you know, in this society, in this kind of society. Right. They don't mean anything. So once you have full automation, it leads to luxury. Luxury leads to education, leads to queer you get queer you don't give a shit anymore about these stupid ass things that you that you think are important they're not you are even if you're straight queer. you are living in a queered world yep so full automation leads to luxury luxury leads to education education leads to queer and then you got a bunch of gay homo dudes space in space doing science and now you got space <laughs> so lug- so fa leads you know fa equals L don't, don't, make an, don't make an equation out equals that. QSA. That's no. what it comes down to. <laughs> it's an equation. No, it's all part of the same biz. Fa equals uksa. Like. Oh my god. Boom. Ignore that. Boom. <laughs> you don't need no equality stickers making an equation. Coexist, it'll be like a coexist sticker, but like falsa, mm-hmm. but the equality thing. So FA equals, you know, there you go. You're done. Yeah, We're except done here. without the confusing symbols. Just it's its own meme. Falsa. It's a meme that just created itself. It, I mean, it didn't just create itself. The equation did. Oh my god. <laughs> You're a nerd. So. You're a fucking nerd. And nobody likes you. And nobody likes you. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it's perfect. So, what is your opinion on male sexuality? Mm. What is, first of all, what do you think what is... What are men? <laughs> yeah, what are men? <laughs> uh, what is male sexuality and what is feminine or female sexuality? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, you mean like in the sense of what are cis men and what are cis women? Like what do they do? What do they... To be honest... I'm not entirely sure what I'm asking because the only time I've heard of male sexuality as a thing is when fucking, you know, men's right activist pieces of shit on the internet are busy crying about women are just afraid of male sexuality. So what I'm asking... Yeah, we are. We're afraid of getting raped. Yeah. So what is... So is male sexuality rape culture? Uh, I think... Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously... I know plenty of men who are not rapists and who, who don't, at least in any overt way, contribute to rape culture, but um, I think that, yeah, rape culture is not a 
feature of uh, women's sexuality. It's, you know, it's a, a side effect of toxic masculinity, you know, in the that, like, having ownership over things and being, um, you know, oh shit, and being entitled, um, stuff like that, like, a lot of the facets of masculinity that are bad are what create a culture where women are unsafe around men, and we don't know which men we're unsafe around. <laughs> Could be anyone. Uh, there was a thing not that long ago about, um, I think they were, I don't remember if they were a gaming YouTube channel or if they were a, uh, like a commentary channel, um, you know, like documentary, but for YouTube. Uh, we should do that. But, um, then we have to show our faces and that's not good offset. Wear a mask or, yeah, like, just we can have from, get like, the black <laughs> Can you imagine? Ask, ask a black block. Dude, oh my god. We have like <laughs> fucking assholes not like slamming down our door. That black dude who just got arrested for fucking five months because he was a, a, a black oh, identity yeah, extremist. Right. Anyway, we'll talk about that yeah. another time. Yeah. Uh, we have some thoughts about that. Um, but, uh... Do you eye roll and of course you do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this guy on this channel... It was a it was a, a guy and a girl like in their twenties, um, and they talked about things like feminism and stuff like that. And the guy was like totally on board. He was like, you know, he identified himself as a male feminist, you know, uh, anti-rape culture kind of guy. And then he ended up murdering the other woman. He he just murdered her. Like I don't remember what the exact circumstances were about that. It was some kind of. It was not in self-defense. It was not in self-defense. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, and that's not that's not feminist, guys. <laughs> like if if you if you think being feminist means like you don't hate women or you like fucking women or like you like um, you know you don't rape people, that's not. That's not enough. That's just being a a decent person. <laughs> yeah, it's like we were talking. That's the bare minimum that anyone is asking. It's like we were saying to someone, a friend of ours, when he believed that he was against racism, being white, that he believed that he was against. First of all, he didn't believe that racists are around. He thinks that racism is something that you see happen, and that systemic oppression doesn't exist. And so I, you know, I put it. I put the point to him, and he said, and told him. That if you know, he thought he thought he was fighting racism by not being a part of it. He thought he was fighting racism by being a good person. And I had to make the point to him: you're not fighting racism. You're not against racism. You're just not for it. Mm -hmm. Being being not racist doesn't make you against racism. It means you're just not for racism. You're not doing anything to fight it. Right. So it's that's just, what yeah. that's what all these dudes are doing when they're like, "Oh, I'm a feminist." I don't get upset when people call me a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So not and being shitty to women means you're just not against feminism. Yeah. It but means, you're not for it. It just means that you're not actively trying to exploit women. You know? You're not catcalling. You're not doing those things. But sometimes you are. It's like a lot like a lot of dudes that I knew were kind of terrible and did weird things to women and thought they were a feminist. Yeah. So, yeah. Garbage people. Garbage people who think they're good people because they're not being garbage. That doesn't make you... It's tough because not being garbage doesn't make you not garbage. It doesn't make you useful or helpful in any way. It just um, means you're not contributing to the it problem. It means you're enabling abusers. Yeah, yeah, That's enabling. what it means because you are doing nothing to stand in their way. Um, you're walking out of their way. Yeah, you're intentionally walking out of everyone's way. Um... So, yeah, I I don't care uh, <laughs> if you are one of those people. That's you should rethink yourself because um, it's not helpful and it's actually really destructive and it allows those people like like Mr. Male Feminist on YouTube who fucking killed that woman. Um, it just comes down to when you say that you're part of something and you're for 
progress or they're for something, what are you doing to be, to help advance that? What are you doing to help? Like, you're not, you know. Oh, and it goes into, like, regarding male sexuality, uh, it goes into, you know, men using kindness and, you know, good characteristics as a means of getting a leg up on women. Yeah. And this is pretty much the reason why, like, contemporary feminist uh, conversations are debating whether male feminist is even a thing. spaces they they're you know welcome with open arms because oh, thank god a man is like on board with women's rights holy fuck and so he's embraced you know very warmly and he ends up you know in a position of respect and possibly leadership um and it turns out a lot of those men end up abusing the women that they've become surrounded by, you know, sexually, usually, um, and that's fucked up, like, this, and this is a pattern, this isn't, like, a couple one-off things, like, this isn't anecdotal, this is a pattern of things that have happened, so, that's kind of my, my problem with male sexuality, and it's not even, like, that's exclusive to cis men, like, I could... But it's not for the same reasons. Like, it's like patriarchy isn't just perpetuated by men. It's also perpetuated by women with internalized misogyny. You know, who, like anti-feminist women. Yeah, like anti-feminist women, like who, who think that rejection of femininity and rejection of other women is, uh, is elevating themselves. And yeah, in patriarchy, it is. Um, but, you know, that's why the, 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 the phrase, like, real, you know, real women help other women or something like that, mm-hmm. um, because all the time we're, we're taught to beat each other down and, <clears throat> and, um, give each other crap and not support each other, which is why, like, there's that trope of, you know, that office trope of, like, Oh, there's another woman in the office. Like, they're either going to be best friends or they're going to be mortal enemies. Yeah. Because it's like, women aren't just people, you know, who could work within the same space and maybe not know each other at all. (laughs) It's like, they they will know each other and they will have an opinion of each other and it will be very good or very bad. There's no nuance. And and all that shit's like coordinated by the men in the office too. Mm -hmm. Like, hey Susan, have you met Karen? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what is that on Silicon Valley? Awesome show, oh, by the way. Yeah. Fuck TJ Miller, but fuck TJ Miller. But uh, watch Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon Valley's dope. And, like that shit with. We actually learned shit from that show that we incorporated into our own business building. That shit's dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> when they that chick that one uh, the hacker the, what is it the coder girl? They yeah, kept the, calling the, her coder girl, or whatever. What was the female programmer. Or the programmer girl? Yeah. Girl programmer or some shit. And they're like, she's, and she had to keep getting read. I'm not a girl programmer. I'm just a programmer. And then they kept trying to force her with the, the assistant. They kept trying to force a friendship between them. And it was like super awkward and shitty and like nobody was happy about it. And then after she left the company and they like paid her money to like do something or some shit, they ended, she ended up stealing it and then threatening to sue them. For like the weird pseudo sexual harassment, mm-hmm. like where they like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like I'm gonna sue you guys for trying to force me to be friends with the other female fucking only other worker here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that shit? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That shit happens all the time everywhere. <clears throat> so, back to male sexuality. So yeah, I don't think like male and female sexuality is like a thing, but I think that, like you said, in the in the sense that dangerous men kind of have they kind of have ownership of the term right like nobody else talks about like male sexuality other than people who uh who (laughs) 
um, what's, what's, what am I thinking of? Like, well, okay, well, I'm gonna cut you off real quick. And I'm gonna let you finish, but <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, but <laughs> let's just take go back. What is that, like five years old now? Do you, yeah, no, like way <laughs> real more relevant memes. <laughs> um, at least don't we're not at least we're not doing the fucking Harlem Shake right now don't get distracted by my memes like fucking Ajit Pai that piece of shit but uh <laughs> stop distracting me with my anger <laughs> um it's just my sexuality god uh so I think I, I guess what they're trying to bring up is like now that I think about it they could what is sexuality like sexuality is universal for both parties for for all genders or whatever for the sexes? Um, no, I mean, you still have asexual and aromantic people. Should, they don't have sexuality then. They are asexual. Right. So they have no sexuality. Well, not always. Like, it's a nuanced thing. I think we should... I don't know. I'm torn about what we should dedicate entire episodes to or even how long these should be. I'm but... just, just going to start doing whatever the fuck we talk about this day. Mm-hmm. Whatever we talk about, I'm just going to record every time we talk. Yeah. And upload them all. And then that's it. Yeah. So like, you get day. you get however fucking long we talk, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and how often we talk. And sometimes I DoorDash and shit. So like, you know, it'll be like five minute segment, and the next, and then we'll stop, and then dash, and then the next segment. So. So deal um, with it. yeah. So asexuals like some of them, um, like some of them have a sexual relationship with themselves. Like they have they have sexual feelings. And, like, maybe they'll masturbate or something like that. But they don't have sexual attraction. So... You know what? That's true. My ex was like that. Yeah. That's right. So there's nobody that... that they're not attracted to men. They're not attracted to women or any... any And non-binary people. They're just... They just are sexual. Like, what... You know? Uh, and then there are, you know, sex repulsed asexuals that literally just do not want sex. They don't care about it. They don't want anything to do with it. So then do they have sexuality? No. I mean, I guess it sort of depends because sexuality is such a nebulous, like, term, you know? I guess for them, sexuality describes their, their lack of interest. Nebulous sexuality, Falksa. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Falksa. Um, hashtag Falksa. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> <laughs> um, hashtag NASA. But... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know, yeah, I think sexuality, in that sense, is a really difficult thing to even pin down, you know? Like, is it our behavior? Is it how we feel? Is it everyone's behavior? I guess it's tough because the way women flirt and the way women, you know, what's that that fucking meme we saw? Like, women asking for sex was the the dude in bed and he was asleep and then the chick was like curled up next to him and just like slowly pushing her butt into him <laughs> and then like wiggling and like pushing harder and harder until her she was like like her whole back half was on top of him and he woke up and he's like what's going on what he's like oh nothing 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 <laughs> and then he went back to sleep and then she like pushed her butt like all over him more and more and she just wouldn't ask for it. And it's because if you ask for it, you're thirsty and you're a whore. Yeah, you're, you're a big slut. A fucking sloot. Um, yeah, that's, like, I think that's, <laughs> there is no, I'm not a big fan of human nature arguments. Um, well, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not a human no, nature. No, I know, thing. I know. Yeah. I'm, but just going on what you're saying, like, I'm not a big fan of human nature arguments. So people like to explain things like that. I was like, oh, women are naturally submissive, like, you know, they, uh, no. the men pursue the women, you know, caveman style type shit. That's yeah. not what I'm saying, I'm saying. No, I know that's not what you were saying. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I'm not putting anything on you. Okay. I'm just g- going off of your idea. Well, like, no, what I'm saying, what I was saying is that, that that meme exists because I feel that, like, female sexuality is shaped by society's ideas of what women should do. Right. And then male sexuality is defined by, not even by males. Yeah, male, I guess so. Patriot, the males, what men think men should do. 
-hmm. And so it's things like the entitlement, like you just go for it and you run for it and you take it. Even if she says no, you fight for it and blah, blah, and this and that. And it's like, you know, which cycles back into that fucking it's cold outside shit where Mm -hmm. she has to pretend that she's drunk or that she has to pretend, you know, that she doesn't actually want to have sex because if she did, she'd be a whore. So she has to pretend that she doesn't and then it's the man's job to pursue her anyways. So that way she can like only, gracefully accept sex. Yeah, like the only the only polite acceptable way would be if she had too many drinks and had to stay over. Yeah. Or if he asked her to stay over and she said yes because it would be rude for her to say no. <laughs> no. Well, no, because No, she has to pretend like she has to stay. Mhm. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, because she can't say yes. Because then she's a whore. And so. Uh, but yeah, and then like people have been saying like, oh well, it's, you know, it's the, the that era, you know, that she couldn't, they didn't have the ability to, you know, say these things, and like, it's like yeah, but it's still it's for the same reasons. Like you might feel like this is like a radical song because it addressed really vaguely the idea that women have agency, mm-hmm. but it's cloaked in in this you know, tone that, that only exists because of violent patriarchy. Like it's still a toxic song, even if it's not meant to be like, even if that's not how people took it at the time, it's, it's because they were coming out of a toxic environment. You know what I'm saying? So just like certain, certain stuff that seems like super racist today seemed like, pretty progressive and like actually a really good step yeah. 20 years ago or so yeah, right. you know um just, like but, i said like everything needs a review every little thing yeah. needs a review and it's like so female sexuality is defined by men and male sexuality is defined by to- toxic masculinity so sexuality in general is defined by men by toxic masculinity and that's true like even in a scientific sense for most of history these studies have been done by men and right. uh they are interpreted by men and they're oh, dude, even in medicine they had that problem uh-huh. in medicine where where the drug worked because they were testing on male rats right and it worked great and then like they used test subjects and like all the females had a negative reaction and all the males were fine and the drug worked fine but the mm-hmm. females were getting fucked on that shit because they don't test with female lab rats yeah it's only males. unless they're doing sex studies <laughs> um and it was a huge problem yeah and it's... even like animal mating behavior has had reviews by um, female scientists um, and the the perspective was so vastly different like yeah. species that were described as having sexually aggressive males that would stalk and you know um, pursue females you know until the females basically just gave up and were like alright whatever put it in me but, you know, when these teams of female scientists went back on all this research and actually observed for themselves, they were, they saw something completely different. Like, sure, they saw that, some of that behavior as, as well, but they also saw very aggressive females who would stalk and harass uh, the male uh, of her desire <laughs> and um, even, like, forcibly mounting him and... And so they had some very distinct female aggression, and they were kind of, like, asking themselves, like, how did this get missed? Like, how did they not notice this, you know? Why didn't we know this before? And so a lot, probably a lot more species have um, female sexual aggression as, you know, a key facet of their um, sexual lives than we previously knew because now we're having a female perspective and and non uh like non-binary and trans perspectives like this is why we need diverse science because it's so it's so male dominated yeah what's that that shit about um about like at some point in history you know historians show that like at some point in history like, everything was female-dominant. Like, everything, everywhere. Like, society as a whole was matriarchal. Like, as a whole. 
it was it was either like a full partnership like with Native Americans like the men you know were hunters and the females were like the farmers and gatherers and ran a lot of society and stuff like that and then men you know did the dangerous work but some mm-hmm. women were allowed women were allowed to do it too if they wanted to mm-hmm. and like a lot of the women in society in like um agrarian societies were hu- were huge influencers in in the community mm-hmm. because they were there they mm-hmm. were the people who were there all the time you know taking care of the kids taking care of each other taking care of sick people like you know dealing with the, the food situation like farming and what have you and so people who did hunting and such, they're out from dusk, from dawn till dusk, you know what I mean? To, to maximize their efforts. So they're not there with everyone all the time. They don't know what's happening like in the village until they come back, you know, at nighttime. So they have less insight than the women did. Yeah. So socially, like women were huge you know, they were the glue that held society together. Yeah, and well, it's so... So a lot of society was matriarchal, or perfectly even keel. And then, at some point, there's just this just marked point in history where suddenly, like, in, and women had, you know, multiple partners and whatever the fuck. Everyone was cool with everything, and at some point, in history, there's like a mark point. I forget. I fucking forget. I, I have to. I gotta research before we talk about this shit. But uh, <laughs> we never know what we're gonna talk about. So. I know. I know. Oh, we gotta have like a like a sources fucking list. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, there's just this like marked like line in the sand where suddenly everything was patriarchal. Like it slowly just swept across everything, and everything was patriarchal, and then things like monogamy took hold of everywhere and like even in in, in matriarchal, matriarchal societies today there's they're not monogamous they're not like um there's several you know hundred villages around there like out in the world and places out in the world and cultures that are matriarchal and polyamorous and like there's very few monogamous or there's very few um patriarchal polyamorous society like they're not really a thing well Like, where did 
countries, a few white countries. So a lot of what we know about quote unquote how people work or like human nature or you know whatever is completely colored by colonization. So well, back to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, speaking of, like sexuality, so we we're gathering from our conversation that sexuality is defined by masculinity. Right. Female and male sexuality is defined by toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. patriarchy. I would even argue white masculinity. And so... raping, like female rape cases against men Um, and other women or whatever. Like, no. Why not? Like, because it goes into, like, female rape against men is a much more subtle, um, I mean, of course it can be violent and forceful, you know, that's not at all what I'm saying, but, um, but often it's, you know, a matter of coercion and manipulation mm. and um, really, you know, subtle non-consent like that, you it's know, and like, it happens uh, in intimate relationships too. That's true, like like uh, men kill themselves with knives, they stab themselves, they jump off buildings, yeah, they, they shoot, shoot themselves, themselves. In the head, and women take pills and alcohol. And they, yeah, they poison themselves, they drown themselves, stuff like that that keeps them uh, keeps their appearance <laughs> mostly yeah. intact yeah, they because their appearance chest. is what's important about women but <laughs> um, yeah and so it's but it's stra- what's strange about that is that a lot of a lot of the non-consent behavior that happens in intimate partnerships where the woman is the aggressor um, can be addressed by patriarchy because you know for example, we talked about the things like, oh, men always want it. You know, men, yeah. you know, you, you're you chasing it. You have to have it. You're thirsty all the time. You can't live without it. And if you're hard, then you definitely are, like, ready to go. So, you know, it happens. If there are people who don't know this, now you know. <laughs> it happens where there's women who have higher sex drives than men. And sometimes men don't have a super high sex drive, and there's nothing wrong with them. They just, it's fine that for that to happen. And so when women are in a society that shames them for having sexuality to begin with, and they have a male partner with pretty low sex drive, so probably they're going to be initiating sex a lot. And they're going to they're going to defer the guilt onto the man, you know, and that's part of manipulation tactics, um, you know, and twisting patriarchy's own, um, beliefs onto itself, you it's know? Like, I mean, it's like our friend's boyfriend has, like, a, like, significantly lower sex drive than her, mm-hmm. and he just calls her thirsty all the time. Mm-hmm. So she, he shames her for it. Yeah, exactly. So it's either that it's she receives the shame for being a sexual woman or he receives the shame for being an impotent you know non-sexual man wait 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 so so could suicide trends so could suicide trends for female versus male be affected by masculinity and patriarchy because it's about appearance and that's why they don't shoot themselves in the head yeah so then could so then how I guess we can't really just know then if rape cases against men would increase. It would be, like you said, in the animals and stuff, it was more aggressive. And so, they I don't... I think what I'm saying is that... Like, well, like, coercion and stuff like that and manipulative tactics <clears throat> because women aren't allowed to be forward and aggressive. Right, right, right. But I think what I'm saying is that the, the mechanics that enable these situations are a result of patriarchy. Even when women are the aggressor um and surely that's a simplistic way of viewing it um but 
you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that in in at least many um, non-consensual, uh, you know, in rape where men are the victim, that that these that this is the case that if if they didn't have these patriarchal messages telling them, you know, what each of them should be doing, then he wouldn't have been guilt tripped into having sex. You know, he wouldn't have been manipulated and made to feel inferior. It made to feel like he owed her sex, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and that's not to say that that's the only kind of rape that happens against men. Right. Like, right. Like I said, this is a pretty simplistic kind of view. But I am sort of saying that if toxic masculinity were to be cut down and the hierarchy between men and women were to be, you know, balanced, um, then there would be less rape in general. You know, maybe since rape is so uncommon under that model, it could be a more equal opportunity thing. You know, maybe there's that. But I think the more important facet is that rape would go down because that that struggle, you know, that, that toxicity is not there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right.